0: All right, good morning. Oh, y'all can do better than that. <laughs> good morning. If, you know, I just have to pause and say a word again of appreciation for our worship team. There's nothing finer in Harrisburg, Illinois and Saline County than what we experienced this morning. Amen. Incredible. Now, I know y'all think that they're so tired that they just show up and do this. But on Thursday afternoons, the, the instrumentalist part of this and I think also that the the, uh, the praise team part spent about an hour and a, half and a half here practicing, preparing, so they can offer a sacrifice of praise and lead us in worship uh, this this morning. And then our choir meets at seven o'clock on Wednesday nights, and they spend about an hour also. And uh, that's a sacrifice for them. And I'm just, as your pastor, I want you. To, I'm just very, very grateful um, to come, boy, to come into the presence of God today the way that we did. And then to look out and see this crowd this morning. Thank you so much for coming. I know we got several guests. I met mean, a friend over here named Joe. We're just so glad you guys are here today. Um, I don't think anything is an accident that somehow you found your way to 1300 South Fiesel Street. And uh, you've gone to many churches, and all of them I'm sure are you know, gospel churches are awesome. But we're grateful you came to worship with us. And already I hope that you've gone to the throne. Now, some of y'all think we're probably just a, a little bit crazy around here, but we got this crazy good Jesus. And that's what we worship today. It's not about emotion. It's just about Jesus. It really is. And so so I hope you understand that we are just radically enthusiastic about this great man, this great Savior, this great God, Jesus Christ. So we celebrate with you today. Well, we're in the midst of a series called The Church at Dorisville. And we're kind of talking about the church as a whole, but our church also individually. And And we've talked about, you know, we went way back and we talked about the promise of the church when, when Jesus said, I'll build my church upon this rock. The truth that He was the Messiah. And, and then we came forward just a little bit. We, and we, on a Wednesday night recently, we talked about the church, what it's supposed to be doing. We talked about the birthday of the church at, on the day of Pentecost, how the church came about. Um, last week, we talked about the message of hope. hope. And that is that, that people know more about what we're for than what we're even against. And that is, of course, Jesus Christ. The message we send out should be a message of hope to a world that's largely in darkness. And so many lives are filled with that hopelessness. And so today, I want, to talk, I want to talk about works, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, there are several things in church life that, that you know, because we're human, we have a tendency to shine back from and away. Um, for instance, I know a lot of Baptists, you know, you say the Holy Spirit, and they go, "Ooh." you know. And I have to remind us all that he's part of, the, part of the Trinity, you know. He's legit, but sometimes we get a little pushback from the Holy Spirit because of what people might think and the like. Well, so it is with works. You know, works and because of the connotation that we, we have with people working for their salvation, we just kind of sometimes push back away from that. And yes, that's a very important part of who we are as believers. And I'll explain all that in just a moment. But I want to start by telling you that your pastor really is a cook. I know y'all don't know that about me, but I am a cook. In fact, one night about I think it was last probably in the January, February time frame, is one of those nights when I just wanted something sweet. Well, Judy, I think probably, out of to my health, doesn't keep a lot of sweet things in the house. In fact, she's gone for, for 10 days, and I went to the pantry, and it looked like the famine time. But fortunately, there's Walmart. Don't worry. We're okay. I've got a debit card, and I've got Walmart. We're going to be all right. I want you all to know that. The cookie owl will be visited this week. I promise you that. And, and farm fresh, also for the ice cream. But, but anyway, so, so I, I went into the kitchen, and lo and behold, there was a brownie mix. So I know I can do this. I'm not serious. You get a bowl out. You throw the eggs in. You throw the chocolate stuff in. You put the oil in. You stir it all up. A little bit of water, I think, is also usually on the agenda. You stir that sucker up, and you, and you put that spray stuff in the pan. You dump it in there. You cook it for about 23 minutes, and bam, you got brownies. Except for when you don't have eggs. So... I get everything out, you know, and so, like, I put the oil in, the mix, and I put the water in, and then I say, okay, now it's time for the eggs. Now, we don't have eggs in our house. We, we use those fake eggs, you know, the egg beater things, um, again, because of, of health. And so I go in there to get the egg beater things. They're not quite as good, but they work. Guess what? No eggs. No eggs. So I go in and tell Judy, I said, Judy, who really knows how to cook, I said, hey, Judy, so, like, we don't have any eggs. Can I cook brownies without eggs? And she said, that would be a no. I said, why not? She said, it won't work. I said, okay, what can I put in for substitute for eggs? And I don't even remember what it was, but she said, I don't know if it'll work or not, but she Googled it on the internet, came up with something. It was an applesauce. I think that's something you could do for oil or something. I don't know what it was. Bottom line is, I tried to do it, and I opened the oven 23 minutes later, and what came out was like a chocolate cesspool. I can't describe it to you. Not only did it not rise, you know, it did not believe in the resurrection. <laughs> it, it did not rise, but there were pools of oil. You know, there'd be a pool of oil here and a pool of oil there. And what I guess what I didn't realize that eggs are very very important. They give the the brownie the lift that it needs. But somehow, it all, all of a sudden it ties everything together. It makes it blend and adhere, and, and makes brownies. I didn't think eggs were that important. Well, well, that's kind of like, just like I tried to do without the eggs, you know, we have a tendency, a propensity in our lives to do without grace. That somehow we think in our way of thinking that we can do works, and we don't really need grace. Now, now again, and sometimes we even understand we need it for salvation, but we don't get the idea that, that we need grace in all facets of our life. Now, it's nothing new. It's nothing new. Um, you know, back when Adam and Eve sinned? You all remember that? Some of you all were around? Uh, no. <laughs> no, you're... Anyway, you know, back in the old... Back a long time ago, okay? When, when Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing they did was they went out and got some leaves and made a covering for themselves. And their nakedness, very very clearly, their nakedness was a symbol of their sin. It was a symbolism for their sin. So they tried to cover their sin by their own works. And God came along and, of course, again, promised the Messiah, but... He covered them with skin, which means an animal had to die, which symbolizes the blood, and that's what we, you know, it's a big topic with us about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And even Cain and Abel, I, you know, I, I cannot not see this. You know, later on, you know, Cain and Abel were the boys, and you know, the Bible says it came time for a sacrifice, and Abel, who was a shepherd, slew a lamb and shed blood, and his sacrifice was accepted. And Cain was a farmer. And so I'm sure he went out to his garden and got his best, you know, like Rod Wallace is a big farmer. You know, get the best tomatoes and does cucumbers and green beans and all those things and brought them and they were rejected. Now, it probably truthfully was his heart was wrong. But the bottom line is throughout the ages, it's been the blood that atones for sin. It's the blood that looks forward to the cross in the Old Testament. It's the blood to which we look back to on the cross. And so it's always been a works thing. Check this out, and I've said this many times, but for our guests, I'll say it again. Did you know all the, and I'm going to use the word religion very loosely, I'm going to put it in quotes. But, but religion, when it comes to religion in the world, every other, every, all the other religions have tied in work. You work for your salvation. And again, it's kind of the way we're made, we're wired that way naturally, is that if we're going to please God, we've got to do something. And so all the other religions have works. Keep the rules, keep the rules, be baptized, do something. They have all that in there. But along came Jesus Christ, who is the only one who's totally different. And we are saved by grace, by God's unmerited favor, by, his, by faith in his sacrifice on the cross. It's, it's a one-of-a-kind a man, Jesus Christ, a one-of-a-kind religion, because it's based on grace. But even within the Christian community... We've got some people who want to tie in works. or some people who want to tie in baptism for salvation. If you're not baptized, you can't be saved. Again, it's just that natural thing we do. Some people believe that you can be saved by grace, but then you've got to keep it. Somehow you've got to perform enough rule-keeping to stay saved. And if you don't keep the rules, then you kind of like become unsaved. And you've got to get re-saved. And then in a lot of really good badness... People like you and I sitting in this room today and Methodists and probably some others, we, we, we got the salvation part by grace. And we even may believe that we can't lose it once we genuinely have it. And that's the key words. We genuinely have it, but we still think we've got to keep the rules to earn God's favor, to stay in his favor. It's, it's just a whole twisted thing. So because of that, we kind of got works all messed up. And so what I want to share with you today is works, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I want to start out by teaching you once again about grace and about the absence of works in our salvation. I chose, and we, believe me, we could choose many scriptures, but I chose Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. Now, I would like to go ahead and read verses 1 through 3 because it kind of gives a setup for that. So the scriptures will be on the screen in just a moment, and if you have a bulletin, a connect, your connect. Bolton thing. And there is a sermon sheet with the scriptures on that. But let me read to you Titus chapter three and verse number one. And Paul's writing says this Paul's an apostle, a guy who hated hated Jesus and then fell in love with Jesus. It's a really radical story. Remind them, believers, remind them to be subject to the rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. He said, Now this is what you need to do. And he also uses the word work. Now now, here's what we start saying. To speak evil of no one. To be peaceable. Gentle. Showing all humility. To all men. For we ourselves. Were also once foolish. Now did you notice something that changed there? We ourselves were. Say were. So so whatever, whatever he's fixing to say. They used to be. But they're not now. Okay. They used to be. But they're not now. And believe me, there's some people in this building for, for your information. There are people in this building who have radical conversion stories. I mean, just radical. Carl Griffiths is the one we mentioned just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I know, George, you have a radical um, conversion story. So so I mean just radical things that, that God did. So so we hear this. For we ourselves were once foolish, we were once disobedient. We were once deceived. We were once serving various lusts and pleasures. It's about me. It's about my world and what makes me feel good. Um, We once were living in malice and and envy and hateful and hating one another. Now, now Paul says that's what we were like. But then he starts in verse number 4 with the wonderful story of what God did. Not what we did, but what God did. In Titus chapter 3 and verse number 4, he says this. But... When, you know, the the conjunction but in the Bible is just wonderful. He says, but when um, the Bible says in, in Galatians in chapter four, verse nine, verse four, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those outside the law. I mean, you know, God sent forth his son. And so we were this. But then God did something. Say, God did something. See, and we did... Okay? But, but when um, the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, that is nothing less than Christmas morning. That's nothing less than the Virgin Mary, miraculously conceiving the Son of God in her womb and that that Son of God being born and taken on a human body with the sole purpose of coming to this earth that we might be forgiven of our sins. He came and lived a sinless and perfect life. He was nailed to a Roman cross not not in a plan gone bad, not even as a martyr, but he came to be a sacrifice for our sins. They put him in a grave. This is why we're so excited about Jesus. In case you're wondering, why are you so excited about Jesus? Well, because He he laid his life down. They put him in a grave. And three days later, he got back up again. I mean, three days later, the grave could longer hold him. We we heard that this morning in in the worship service. Three days later, he became alive. And then he makes this incredible promise that if you'll believe in me, then I will forgive your sins. Okay? Because I've already paid for them. If you'll believe in me, I'll forgive your sins. And then when you die, you can get up too. See, the end doesn't have to be the end. Isn't that incredible? I mean, it's it's awesome. So so we had Christmas morning when when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. It wasn't us. It wasn't anything we did. It wasn't because we go to church. It wasn't because we're Baptists. It wasn't because we dress right. We know the right lingo. It wasn't that we quit bad habits. It wasn't that we got gooder and gooder or better and better. It was none of that. It was simply the fact that, that Jesus came died, resurrected, and then makes this incredible promise that if any person will put their faith and trust in what I did on the cross, that He paid the price for our sins, if you'll put your faith and turn from your past and look to a new future, then you too can come in relationship with my Father. How incredible. He saved us. He rescued us. He redeemed us. He bought us back. Listen, this is good news. Because, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to... I hate to rain on a good worship service. But you do know you're going to die, don't you? I mean, I've checked the statistics. It's 100% people die. And we can die not knowing what happens at the last breath. You know, what waits out there. Or we can die knowing that to be absent from the body is to be present with God. And the difference is, He saved us. He redeemed us. Not that I was able to somehow balance the scale because I can't. But He saved us. And that he redeemed us. And, and Paul goes on and says some more. He says this. By the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now, now again, I know if you're here today and the first time in church in a long time, you're going, what's this deal with the blood? But that washing of regeneration is because of his blood sacrifice that our sins are taken away. Again, it's not baptismal words. Sometimes we think wash, we think water. The washing here is by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, you know, the prophet says this. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as wool. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as snow. You know, God's amazing, wonderful grace and His wonderful sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. He washes away our sin. He washes away our sin. And so when we, when we say yes to Jesus and yes to what he did and believe in faith and turn from our sins, he eradicates. He takes away that simple past, that simple present, and that simple future. And that's something you can't do. You just can't do. And yet Jesus has done it for you. If by faith, you'll believe that. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that, see, I bet you thought I have to go to church the rest of my life to do this. or I have, And you ought to go to church, by the way. You know, uh, you know um, I have to keep all these rules and I can't keep the rules anyway because I tried to keep it the rules. I tried to quit smoking and made it two months and now I'm smoking again. I tried to quit drinking and quit drinking. Drugs, drugs, rules, rules. If i got to keep the rules, I don't think I can keep the rules. It's not rules. It's God's amazing grace. Isn't that cool? He saved us by the washing regeneration, by the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And this is really cool. God, this is probably pretty simplistic. But, but when, you, when you say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me, and I'm going to turn from my sin, and I want to follow you, I want to put my, my path with your path, part of God comes in and lives inside of you. You know, it's kind of a, that Holy Spirit thing I talked about. Part of God comes and live within you, and he's a counselor, and he's a comforter. But more than that, he's the power. He's the regenerative power of God in your life. Because one of those songs, David, that we sang today, that we can't keep your commands. We can't. Even, you know, once we, once we receive Christ, we just don't have with us to do it. God does it through us. And listen, that's what we need to learn. I mean, how, how frustrated do you get with your life sometimes, with your mouth or your ears, or your eyes, or, or just some habit in your life, and you want to be overcomer in that, and you don't seem to be able to? Only God can do that. And you've got to surrender and say, Holy Spirit, you live within me. Now help me, because I need you. I can't do this without you. So Paul says, by this washing and regeneration, by renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. How many of y'all remember Brill Cream? Yeah, some of y'all know y'all do. I used to, anybody use Brill Cream? Yeah, when I had hair, I did. Yeah, As a matter of fact, right here on the front, you know, I would take it, I'd take it, you know, I'd comb it down, part it over, go this way. And then I'd take, you remember Ricky Ricardo? He would take it and go, Psh, I did that. I had hair to do that, and it wasn't gray either. It was like real hair. It was incredible. So, so do you remember the real cream commercial? A little dab will do you. What do you know what I like about God? God doesn't give you a little dab of anything. Come on now, come on. He doesn't give you a little dab. He don't give you a little dab of grace. He, he don't give you a little dab of anything. In fact, even with the Holy Spirit, he don't give you a dab of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says richly, he lavishly pours out the Holy Spirit upon us so we can be victorious in this life. We are overcomers through Jesus Christ. We sang about it today. And that's why this this thing that we call Jesus and God and all that, it's so freeing because it's not me trying, it's God doing. Does that make sense? I mean, this may be like wild news to you. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you've, you're here and you're going, not heard this before. Well, man, this, this is what the scripture teaches. That it's not us doing. It's what he's done. It's what he's done. So, so Paul goes on and finishes up now. He says that we were, in verse 6, whom he poured out us rich on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior so that being justified by his grace. Justified by his grace. Now, you've got to get this today. Now, I, there's a little cute saying that I'll give you, but but really it's, they were right. The commentary said, you know, it doesn't do it justice. Sometimes when we think of the word justified, we, we want to say just as if I never sinned. And that's that's cool. And that's cute. Okay? But here's what I want you to take home. When the Bible says here that he has, so being justified by his grace, he is saying that we are found blameless. Now, I don't know about you. I mean, y'all might really be good people. And you might say, Dwayne, my sin list is so short it's got one thing on it. Well, believe me, you're still in deep weeds. But for some of us who are a little bit more normal and our sense is a little bit long, you don't, I want you to understand, because of His grace, it's not we're found guiltless, because we were guilty. We were guilty, but we're found blameless. Why? Why? Because of the blood. The wages of sin is death, Paul wrote. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we are found before God because of his sacrifice and our faith in him, turning from our sin to follow him. We are found before God blameless. How incredible. And how incredible. By his grace, by his unmerited favor, by nothing that we have done, because there's nothing we could do. Um, up here, not by works of righteousness which we have done, because we don't have any. We don't have anything righteous about us. So we just count on grace. And grace is sufficient, and grace is complete. And grace is all about God and not about me. I'm found justified by His grace that we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Wow. How incredible. How cool is that? We have the hope of eternal life. Again, not that I have to keep doing to somehow make it, but because what He did and my faith in what He did and who he is, turning from my sin and following his path. Is that cool or what? And really, listen, it really, 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 really is cool. And what I want you to do is, I hope you'll, if you've got a sermon sheet this morning, I hope you'll keep this. hope you'll hang on to it. And go over these scriptures again. Here's what I know. Because over the last 50 or 60 years particularly, and probably further than that, because like this is not a new thing. We've all managed somehow, preachers, teachers, regardless of your faith, whether it be Catholic or Methodist or Presbyterian or Baptist, we somehow, over the last 60 years, have somehow twisted around a little bit so we've got to earn God's favor. Not necessarily even for salvation, but just so He'll smile at us. And I can't earn that. But God wants to give it to me by the death of His Son. And many of you have experienced that. And I want you to get this. Because it's so freeing to know that you are saved and held by God's amazing, wonderful grace. So our work's bad? No. It's just that works and grace are a real bad mix. A real bad mix. You don't, just like I tried to substitute that for eggs, I needed the real deal. I need whatever eggs could do to bring it all together and make it rise. I need grace. Because any other substitute don't get it done. I end up like religious. I end up with a religious cesspool, a conglomeration of I tried, I think, I hope, maybe so, frustrated, legalistic, all these terms, and you go, Ugh. but then we just go, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it's a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Would you praise God with that? Yeah, I'm asking five. Yeah, I am. That's incredible. That's just great news. So, 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 so what then? How do works tie in with this? Okay, Dwayne, I think you've got me convinced that works has nothing to do with my salvation. It has nothing to do with me keeping my salvation. In fact, it has nothing to do with God somehow cosmically smiling on me up in heaven. In other words, earning his favor. So, so what are works? Well, I think probably the simplest thing to say is works are a great motivation. A great motivation. Um, or perhaps even works is a demonstration. That's better. A demonstration of love. Love. Take your Bibles, if you've got them there, and look at, at 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. Works are an evidence of our love for Jesus. Nothing to do with salvation. Nothing to do with keeping your salvation. Nothing to do with earning God's favor. Works are a way that we say, I love you. You know, are y'all familiar with the book, The Five Love Languages? Does that ring a bell with anybody? And you know, you didn't know this, maybe then perhaps, but, but each one of us have a love language. Mine, I think probably, I have to say, mine is probably gifts. You know, some of you know that, you know, you can give me a toothpick and I go, oh, that's so wonderful, thank you so much. I just like gifts, you know. And, and I think, you know, some though, had the acts of service. And that simply means this, if you want to tell that person you love them, you do acts of service. Well, God doesn't have that love language. But it's an incredible way for us to say, I love you and I'm grateful. Here's what John wrote. For this... Is what love for God is. So he's going to give us a demonstration. If you want to say, "God, I love you," how how is that played out? Here is what he says. He says, "For this is what love for God is—to keep His commandments." So, other words, other words. When when we minister, when David, when we become hands, when we become feet, when we become mouth, those are ways that we're saying, "God." I love you. That's what this is all about. You know, I chose the back-to-school thing that we did in June. We're going to do it again here in about four weeks for revival. We're trying to tell those people that we love them. I hope you understand that. When we did back-to-school three weeks ago, we love you. But incredibly, this is the real motivation. This is the real demonstration. That is, God, we love you. Whether you go to a foreign mission field, whether you serve here, whether you sing the worship team, um, whether you teach a class, whether you just go out and do, do things in Jesus' name in your world, whether you, whether you really try to be the parent God wants you to be, or the husband God wants you to be, or the wife God wants you to be, it's simply a way of saying, God, I love you. God, I love you. And that's a cool thing. Isn't that different, though, than I'm trying to earn, I'm trying to keep, I'm trying to make. You know, If I don't do it, it won't get done. It's incredible. So works have a great role. It's a way for us to say to God, I love you. Now look at this. Now, his commands are not a burden. Someone's going, excuse me, teacher. What do you mean they're not a burden? Every time I read the Bible, I feel burden, 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 burden. Don't do, do, don't, don't do. Burden, burden. No, no, no. John says his commands are not a burden, and there's a because, and that's connector isn't it? Because whatever has been born of God, who do you think he's talking about? Whatever's been born of God, that would be me and you who know Jesus Christ as Savior. Those who have experienced His grace and have become born again, have been washed by His blood, have been regenerated because of whatever has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, even our faith. Look at me. You're victorious. You're not going to be victorious. You don't have to pray to be victorious. You are victorious. You know why? Because He is. Not because of what you do, because you can't. You sell, You live in victory. You just don't know this. You live in victory because of His victory. You, you will never be defeated by death because He defeated death. You will never be overpowered. You don't need to be overpowered by sin. You won't be overpowered by sin because He overpowered sin. He is the victory. Isn't that cool? See, so so... So, whatever have been born of God conquers the world. That's a great statement. You write that down. I can conquer the world. And you can. Through Christ. You know, we, we say that little verse. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then we go in class. Believe it. Believe it. You are victorious in Christ. Sin, Paul said it. Sin no longer has dominion over you. You are victorious. And what's this. Let me read it again. This is the victory that has conquered the world. Our ability to keep the rules. It doesn't say that, does it? This is what's conquered the world. Our religion. Our baptism. I read the Bible three times a day. I don't drink, I don't smoke, smoke, and I don't run around with girls who do. Our faith. Are you getting the picture yet? This is not about us, it's about Him and what He's done. Guys, this is mind bogglingly true. It's incredible. We're victorious, not because we think we can, but because He did. He did. And we are overcomers by faith. And who, this is just nailed it down, but who is the one who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? There it is. Victorious. Victorious. So today, you know what? I'm going to quit there. I know it's early. Not quit because I have to. I feel led to. I want you to know that. So if you're here today, I think the Bible teaches us. In fact, we taught it on Wednesday night two weeks ago. That when a person comes into our church, and perhaps they've not been here a while, they, they experience this thing we call worship. It's a church word. But it's basically we're telling God we love him. And maybe you're here today and you experienced that. And you're going, I really don't know what that was all about. But man, it seemed real. It seemed real. And what it was about was Jesus Christ. Let me give you the, the short take again. The Bible says that everybody has sinned. And that means we've offended God. And that because of that sin, we are separated from God. It's like being on one side with a huge gully here and over here, God. And there's no bridge, there's no nothing. We're separated from God. And our works, our church, our religion won't bridge that. So God did something really incredible, just like he did for Adam and Eve when he slayed the animal. You know, God sent his son Jesus. We call it Christmas, as I said earlier. And Jesus lived this sinless life, taught about God His Father, proclaimed the fact that He was God in the flesh. And then, I want you to understand this. You know, Good Friday was not a plan gone bad. It wasn't like God was on vacation and He turned around for a minute and and it all went bad. It was intentional. the, The guy who wrote this book, John, also said this about Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So, so, so he dies on this cross. And, and let me read this verse to you. Love consists in this. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The atonement, the appeasement for our sins. So when Jesus died, all the sins of the world was on him. And the wrath of God was poured out on him. And he paid the price for our sins. I already told you he died and put him in a grave. And three days later, he resurrected. Now, no other religious leader does this. There's not like seven people in history, recorded history, that did this. Just Jesus. Even the founder of Islam, Muhammad, did not have a story like this. It's incredible. You know it's crazy? It's true. I mean, here we are 2,000 years later, talking about a Jewish carpenter that no one should know about. And yet, clearly a third of the world's population identifies God and Jesus Christ together. It's incredible. So he died and he resurrects. And then he invites every person. I love it because the door's wide open. I mean, he says this. He says, you know, regardless of your skin color or your economic status or where you live in America or, or Africa, he says, if you're willing to believe in what Jesus did, turning from your sin and to follow him then I will forgive your sins and welcome you into my family. That's what we're talking about today. Not talking about Doorsville and you need to become a member of Doorsville, but what Jesus did. So I'm going to have my friend Brent in a few minutes. We call this the time of decision. And I know we just had to have a wonderful crowd today. Thank you guys for coming. But we have a huge crowd, but we're going to let everybody bow their heads. And we're not trying to embarrass you. The truth is, you know, Brent's got some answers you need. And if you'll come down and say, hey Brent, I want to know more about this Jesus We have some folks who will share with you. Brennan will share with you. I can share with you. Because listen, the best thing that ever happened to us was meeting Jesus Christ. It's like, it was like, it's like weighing 400 pounds and losing down to 125. It was like this huge weight of guilt, oppression, and darkness comes off of you when you experience God's grace. So that's the first invitation. The second part is this. To those of you who are here and you know Jesus Christ as Savior, I want you to during the invitation time, the decision time, when we're not singing, we'll let the praise team sing. I would like for you to just thank God for His grace. And, and, and then, then I want you to say this. God, I'm glad I don't have to work for my salvation. I'm glad I don't have to work for your favor. I'm, I don't have to work to stay saved. But I want to work. And I want to work to say, I love you. And then ask Him, what do you want me to do? You know, some people, we know a wonderful couple who went clear across the world as missionaries. There's some people during the 9 and 10 o'clock hour who have been teaching Sunday school for years just because they love God. Our team up here, that was so authentically real. And these people were saying, we're leading worship because we love this God we sing about. So ask God, God, what would you like me to do to show you that I love you? And you know what? He has a plan. He has a plan. A plan for you, and then lastly, this: we uh, we had a tragic death this week. Wanda Jim Potts' great granddaughter died, eleven years old, with a brain tumor. Very quickly, we had people in the hospitals and people facing surgeries. Um, Kim Hell got great news about being accepted to an experimental uh, cancer treatment, which she's very excited about. That if I were to ask this morning, you know, raise your hand if you got unspoken, hands would go up across the room. So we want to close our decision time with just a big time of prayer. And some of us are going to say, God, thank you. Thank you for amazing grace. Thank you for loving me. Some of you may want to come and tell Brent, I need this Jesus. I don't understand it all. i got lots of questions. But I know I need this Jesus. So we'll pray at the end and just thank God for what he's done. All right, let's pray. Somewhere just beyond incredible, that's where you are, God. Somewhere just beyond the ability of us to come up with English words is where you are. As I experienced the worship time, and I thought about this sinner, Dwayne Taylor, running my hell-bound race, indifferent to the cost. And then you stepped in, Jesus, and forgave me. I'm pretty overwhelmed with that. Pretty overwhelmed. Father, I pray, just like you don't give us dabs of anything, that this group of people and the ones that were listening on the radio and the ones that are going to hear this message, Father, on the internet, that we will be overwhelmed by your grace about not us doing, but what you have done. For my friend here today, And their world may be pretty dark. I don't know. For my friend here today, who's never experienced this amazing grace, maybe they've gone to church all their lives, but they've never heard this message of grace. God, would you reach down from heaven and draw them to your Son, Jesus Christ, today. Pull them towards your Son and allow them to experience your love, and grace. Thanks, God. Oh, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to your mercy, you saved us. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.